0: Parallel lives of the Noble Greeks and Romans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Parallel Lives of the Noble Greeks and Romans by Lucius Mestrius Plutarchus, translated by Bernadotte Perrin. Demosthenes. At another time, too, they say, when he had been rebuffed by the people, and was going off homewards, disconcerted and in great distress. Satyrus the actor, who was a familiar acquaintance of his, followed after and went indoors with him. Demosthenes lamented to him that although he was the most laborious of all the orators, and had almost used up the vigor of his body in this calling, he had no favor with the people, but debauchees, sailors, and illiterate fellows were listened to and held the bema, while he himself was ignored you are right demosthenes said satyrus but i will quickly remedy the cause of all this if you will consent to recite offhand for me some narrative speech from euripides or sophocles demosthenes did so whereupon satyrus taking up the same speech after him gave it such a form and recited it with such appropriate sentiment and disposition that it appeared to demosthenes to be quite another Persuaded now how much of ornament and grace action lends to an oratory, he considered it of little or no use for a man to practice declaiming if he neglected the delivery and disposition of his words. After this, we are told that he built a subterranean study, which, in fact, was preserved in our time and into this he would descend every day without exception in order to form his action and cultivate his voice and he would often remain there even for two or three months together shaving one side of his head in order that shame might keep him from going abroad even though he greatly wished to do so nor was this all but he would make his interviews, conversations, and business with those outside, the foundation and starting point for eager toil. For as soon as he parted from his associates, he would go down into his study, and there would go over his transactions with them in due order, and the arguments used in defense of each course. And still further, whatever speeches he chanced to hear delivered, he would take up by himself, and reduce to propositions and periods, and he would introduce all sorts of corrections and changes of expression into the speeches made by others against himself or contrariwise by himself against others consequently it was thought that he was not a man of good natural parts but that his ability and power were the product of toil and there would seem to be strong proof of this in the fact that demosthenes was rarely heard to speak on the spur of the moment but though the people often called upon him by name as he sat in the assembly, he would not come forward unless he had given thought to the question, and was prepared to speak upon it. For this many of the popular leaders used to rail at him, and Pythias, in particular, once told him scoffingly that his arguments spelt of lampwicks. To him, then, Demosthenes made a sharp answer, indeed said he thy lamp and mine o pythias are not privy to the same pursuits to the rest however he made no denial at all but confessed that his speeches were neither altogether unwritten nor yet fully written out moreover he used to declare that he who rehearsed his speeches was a true man of the people for such preparation was a mark of deference to the people whereas heedlessness of what the multitude will think of his speech marks a man of oligarchical spirit, and one who relies on force rather than on persuasion. Another circumstance, too, is made a proof of his lack of courage for an emergency, namely that when he was interrupted by the clamors of the people, Demades often rose and smoked offhand in his support, but he never rendered such a service to Demades how then some might say could ascanes call him a man of most astonishing boldness in his speeches and how was it that when python of Byzantium was inveighing with much boldness and a great torrent of words against the athenians demosthenes alone rose up and spoke against him Or how did it happen that, when Lamachus the Meranian had written an encomium on kings Philip and Alexander, in which many injurious things were said of Thebes and Olympus, and while he was reading it aloud at Olympia, Demosthenes came forward and rehearsed with historical proofs all the benefits which the people of Thebes and Chalcidice had conferred upon Greece, and on the other hand all the evils of which the flatterers of the macedonians had been the cause and thereby so turned the minds of the audience that the sophist was terrified at the outcry against him and slunk away from the festival of but although demosthenes as it would appear did not regard the other characteristics of pericles as suitable for himself he admired and sought to imitate the formality of his speech and bearing as well as his refusal to speak suddenly or on every subject that might present itself as if his greatness was due to these things But he by no means sought the reputation which is won in a sudden emergency nor did he often of his own free will stake his influence upon chance However, those orations which were spoken offhand by him had more courage and boldness than those which he wrote out, if we are to put any confidence in our Eratosthenes, Demetrius the Phalyrian, and the comic poets. Of these, Eratosthenes says that often in his speeches, Demosthenes was like one frenzied, and the Phalerian says that once, as if under inspiration, he swore by the famous metrical oath to the people by earth by springs by rivers and by streams of the comic poets one calls him a or a trumpety braggart, and another ridiculing his youth of the antithesis says this first slave my master as he took retook second slave demosthenes would have been delighted to take over this phrase unless indeed this too was a jest of the etiphanes upon the speech of demosthenes concerning halonisius in which the orator counseled the athenians not to take the island from philip but to retake it still all men used to agree that demades in the exercise of his natural gifts was invincible and that when he spoke on the spur of the moment he surpassed the studied preparations of demosthenes and ariston the chian records an opinion which theophrastus also passed upon the two orators when he asked namely what sort of an orator he thought demosthenes was he replied worthy of the city and what Demades, too good for the city and the same philosopher tells us that polyeuctus the one of the political leaders of that time at athens declared that demosthenes was the greatest orator but Phocion, the most influential speaker since he impressed the most sense in the fewest words indeed we are told that even demosthenes himself when other phocian mounted the bema to reply to him would say to his intimates here comes the chopper of my speeches now it is not clear whether demosthenes had this feeling toward phocion because of his oratory or because of his life and reputation believing that a single word or nod from a man who is trusted has more power than very many long periods for his bodily deficiencies he adopted the exercises which i shall describe as demetrius the philurian tells us who says he heard about them from demosthenes himself now grown old The indistinctness and lisping in his speech he used to correct and drive away by taking pebbles in his mouth and then reciting speeches. His voice he used to exercise by discoursing while running or going up steep places and by reciting speeches or verses at a single breath. Moreover, he had in his house a large looking-glass, and in front of this he used to stand and go through his exercises in declamation. A story is told of a man coming to him and begging his services as advocate, and telling at great length how he had been assaulted and beaten by someone. But certainly, said Demosthenes, you got none of the hurts which you describe. Then the man raised his voice and shouted, Hi, Demosthenes, no hurts! Now indeed, said Demosthenes, I hear the voice of one who is wronged and hurt. So important in winning credence did he consider the tone and action of the speaker accordingly his own action in speaking was astonishingly pleasing to most men but men of refinement like demetrius the phalerian thought his manner low ignoble and weak and hermippus tells us that isian when asked his opinion of the ancient orators as compared with those of his own time said that one would have listened with admiration when the older orators discoursed to the people decorously and in the grand manner, but that the speeches of Demosthenes, when read aloud, were far superior in point of arrangement and power. Now it is needless to remark that his written speeches have much in them that is harsh and bitter, but in his extemporous rejoiners he was also humorous. For instance, when Demethe said, Demosthenes teach me, as well might the sow teach Athena. It was this Athena, said Demosthenes, that was lately found playing the harlot in Colitis. And to the thief nicknamed Brazen, who attempted to make fun of him for his late hours and his writing at night, he said, I know I annoy you with my lighted lamp but you men of athens must not wonder at the thefts that are committed when we have thieves of brass but house walls of clay however though i have still more to say on this head i shall stop here the other traits of his character and his disposition should be surveyed in connection with his achievements as a statesman well then he set out to engage in public matters after the phocian war had broken out as he himself says and it is possible to gather from his philippic harangues for some of these were made after the phocian war was already ended and the earliest of them touch upon affairs which were closely connected with it and it is clear that when he prepared himself to speak in the prosecution of medius he was thirty-two years old but as yet had no power or reputation in the conduct of the city's affairs and his fears on this score were the chief reason in my opinion why he compromised his case against the man he hated for a sum of money for he was not at all a sweet-tempered man or of gentle mood but vehement and violent in his requitals however seeing that it was no mean task and one beyond his power to overthrow a man like medius who was well hedged about with wealth oratory and friends he yielded to those who interceded in his behalf for it does not seem to me that the three thousand drachmas of themselves could have dulled the bitter feelings of demosthenes if he had expected or felt able to triumph over his adversary But when he had once taken as a noble basis for his political activity the defense of the Greeks against Philip, and was contending worthily here, he quickly won a reputation, and was lifted into a conspicuous place by the boldness of his speeches, so that he was admired in Greece, and treated with deference by the great king philip too made more account of him than of any other popular leader at athens and it was admitted even by those who hated him that they had to contend with a man of mark for both ascanes and hipparades say thus much for him while denouncing him wherefore i do not know how it occurred to theopompus to say that demosthenes was unstable in his character and unable to remain true for any length of time to the same policies or the same men for it is apparent that after he had at the outset adopted a party and a line of policy in the conduct of the city's affairs he maintained this to the end and not only did not change his position while he lived but actually gave up his life that he might not change it for he was not like Demades, who apologized for his change of policy by saying that he often spoke at variance with himself, but never at variance with the interests of the city, nor like Milanopus, who, though opposed politically to Callistratus, was often brought over by him, and then would say to the people, The man is my enemy, it is true, but the interests of the city shall prevail nor like Nicodemus the Mycenaean, who first attached himself to Cassander, and then again advocated the interests of Demetrius, but said that he was not contradicting himself, for it was already advantageous to listen to one's masters. We cannot say that such things of Demosthenes also, as of one who is turned from his course, and veers to and fro either in word or deed, nay he followed one unchangeable scale as it were and ever held to one key in politics and panaetius the philosopher says that most of his speeches also are written in the conviction that the good alone is to be chosen for its own sake as for instance the speech on the crown the one against aristocracies that for the immunities and the philippics for in all these he does not try to lead his countrymen to do what is pleasantest or easiest or most profitable but in many places thinks that they ought to make their safety and preservation secondary to what is honourable and fitting so that if the loftiness of his principles and the nobility of his speeches had been accompanied by such bravery as becomes a warrior and by incorruptibility in all his dealings he would have been worthy to be numbered not with such orators as morocles Polyctus, hyperades and their contemporaries but high up with simon diacidides and pericles at any rate phocian among his contemporaries Though he took the lead in a policy which is not to be commended, and though he had the reputation of favoring Macedonia, nevertheless, by reason of his bravery and integrity, was held to be in no wise inferior to Ephialtes and Aristides and Simon. Demosthenes, however, was not worthy of confidence when he bore arms, as Demetrius says, nor was he altogether inaccessible to bribes but though he did not succumb to the gold which came from philip and macedonia that which came down in streams from susa and nicabana reached and overwhelmed him and therefore he was most capable of praising the virtues of earlier generations but he was not so good at imitating them for certainly the orators of his own day though i leave phocian out of the account were surpassed by him even in his life and conversation and it is manifest that beyond them all he reasoned boldly with the people opposed himself to the desires of the multitude and persistently attacked their faults as may be gathered from his speeches and even theopompus tells us that when the athenians nominated him to conduct a certain impeachment and on his refusal raised a tumult against him he rose and said men of athens i will serve you as a counsellor even though you do not wish it, but not as a false accuser, even though you wish it. Moreover, the measures which he took in the case of Antiphon were exceedingly aristocratic in their spirit. Antiphon had been acquitted by the assembly, but Demosthenes arrested him and brought him before the council of the Aristopagus, and making no account of the offence thus given to the people, convicted him of having promised philip to set fire to the dockyards and antiphon was given up to justice by the council and suffered death he also accused the priestess theoris of many misdemeanors and particularly of teaching the slaves to practise deceit and by fixing the penalty at death he brought about her execution it is said too that the speech which apollodorus used in order to secure the conviction of Timotheus, the general, an action for debt was written for him by Demosthenes, and likewise the speeches which Apollodorus used against Formio and Stephanus, in which cases Demosthenes properly won discredit. For Formio contended against Apollodorus with a speech Demosthenes had written for him, the orator thus simply selling to the disputants. From one cutlery shop, the knives with which to wound each other moreover of his public orations those against Antrioton, and timocrates and aristocrates were written for others to pronounce before he had as yet entered public life for it appears that these speeches were produced when he was twenty-seven or twenty-eight years of age but he himself delivered the speech against aristogatin as well as the one on the immunities as the instance as he himself says of sestippus the son of Chabrias, but as some say because he was wooing the mother of this young man however he did not marry this woman but had a certain woman of samos to wife as demetrius the magnesian tells us in his work on persons of the same nature Whether the speech denouncing the treacherous embassage of Ascanese was delivered or not, it is uncertain, and yet Idominus says that Aeschines got off by only thirty votes. But this would seem to be untrue if we are to judge by the written speeches of both orators on the crown, for neither of them speaks clearly and distinctly of that contention as one which came to trial. This question, however, will have to be decided by others. The political attitude of Demosthenes was manifest while peace still lasted for he would let no act of the Macedonian pass uncensured but on every occasion kept rousing and inflaming the Athenians against him therefore philip also made most account of him and when demosthenes came to macedonia in an embassy of 10 philip listened indeed to them all but took most pains to answer his speech as regards all other marks of honour and kindly attention however philip did not treat demosthenes as well as the others but courted rather the party of Aschines and philocrates and so when these lauded philip as most powerful in speaking most fair to look upon and indeed as a most capable fellow-drinker demosthenes had to say in bitter raillery that the first encomium was appropriate for a sophist the second for a woman and the third for a sponge but none of them for a king and when matters were inclining at last to war since philip was unable to keep quiet and the athenians were being stirred up by demosthenes in the first place he urged the athenians to invade which had been brought into subjection to Philip by its tyrants, and it was on his motion that they crossed over to the island and drove out the Macedonians. In the second place he came to the aid of the citizens of Byzantium and Perinthus, when the Macedonian was making war upon them, by persuading the Athenian people to remit their hatred and forget the wrongs committed by each of these cities in the social war, and to send them a force the force which saved them next he went on to an embassy to the greek states and by arguing with them and pricking them on brought almost all of them into a league against philip so that they raised a mercenary force of fifteen thousand foot and two thousand horse apart from the citizen soldiery and readily contributed money to pay them it was at this time as theophrastus says when the allies were demanding that their contributions be fixed within limits, that Crobalus, the popular leader, said, War has no fixed rations. Greece was now in suspense as it thought of their future, and its peoples and cities were leaking themselves together, Eubians, Achaeans, Corinthians, Megarians, Lucidians, and Corsarians for the most important struggle still remained for demosthenes in bringing the thebans to join the alliance for they had a territory bounding that of attica and a force ready to take the field and at that time were accounted the best soldiers in greece but it was no easy matter in view of the recent benefits with which philip had cultivated their favor during the phocian war to make the thebans change sides And especially because in the petty quarrels brought on by their proximity to Athens, the differences which made for war between the two cities were all the while stirred up anew. Philip, however, elated by his good fortune in the matter of Amphissa, surprised Elacia and occupied Phocis. This step drove the Athenians out of their senses. No one ventured to ascend the Bema, and no one knew what ought to be said, but perplexity and silence reigned in the assembly then it was that demosthenes and he alone came forward and advised the people to cling to thebes and after giving them courage in other ways and buoying them up with hopes as he was wont to do he was sent with others as ambassador to thebes philip also as marsyas tells us sent amyntas and clearchus of macedonia diochus of Thessaly and phrasidaeus to speak in opposition to the athenians well then the thebans in their calculations were not blind to their own interests but each of them had before his eyes the terrors of war since their losses in the phocian war were still fresh however the power of the orator as theopompus says fanned up their courage and inflamed their honourable ambition obscured all other considerations so that casting away fear and calculation and feelings of obligation they were rapt away by his words into the path of honour and so great and glorious was the orator's success seen to be that philip at once sent out an embassy and asked for peace while greece was confident and up in arms to aid demosthenes for the future and not only did the athenian generals assist him and do what he ordered but also the bocotarchs he managed at this time all the assemblies of the thebans no less than those of the athenians he was beloved by both peoples and exercised supreme power not illegally nor unworthily as theopompus declares but rather with perfect propriety